listening to Entertainment Landfill. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. lost in the woods, have you? Do you forget what team you're playing for? Strong, prey on the weak, and nobody does a thing. You got one hour. You knew this would happen? Everything changed. Jake, it's crazy here. Quaritch is rolling and there's no stopping him. We're going up against gunships with bows and arrows. I guess we better stop him. us a message that they can take whatever they want but we will send them a message that this this is our land everybody welcome to a very special nowhere in mulberry yes this is a special call-in avatar discussion slash do whatever we want kind of show me the jaystrom talking to steven the pop culture zealot hey and mulberry bill the mulberry historian hey 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 i'm gonna just try something for a second do, 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 do. but i didn't realize how bad my voice is till i was like hey everybody and i was like i can't do it <laughs> yeah i have to keep muting my microphone because i'm coughing yeah and you know through if anyone's wondering wait why why does jason not have a voice and bill doesn't either they live in separate states <laughs> maybe that's because we've been Busting our asses all week doing a holiday pack for you, the listener. Right, Bill? Yes. I'm going to say we did about six hours worth of work yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. By the end of the night, I was freaking exhausted. Yeah, I passed out right after the last one we did. You know, and my uh, my poor wife, she doesn't understand. Why, why, why are you being so quiet? Why aren't you talking in... You know, why aren't you saying anything? It's like, because I'm very angry with like, you. I've been talking for six hours straight, nonstop. I don't even want to hear my own voice anymore. <laughs> I'm going to communicate through sign language. If I knew but, how uh, to sign. Now, I also have to tell everybody that uh, Stephen and I just got back. And Bill, you just got back recently. It's been a couple hours, but we all saw Avatar Woo! today. James Cameron's new film. And you know what? I kept saying, you know what, I'm going to see it in 2D first, and I'll see it 3D later. Changing my mind, we saw it in 3D, Bill. I'm so glad that you did. I, I, I was, I was worried like that you wouldn't get the whole full effect in 2D. So I was when you texted me that I was standing outside the uh, the theater, like I, I walked right out the exit door, and <laughs> and I, I texted you. I was like, oh, I got to text Jason. So I texted you, and then I was getting into the car, and you wrote. I'm seeing it in 3D, and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, man. And I got to tell you, you know, we're going to talk about Avatar in a second, but 
I haven't seen a 3D film. I was thinking about when's the last time I've been in one yeah, 3D we were classes. Discussing this. <laughs> and the last time literally was when I was a little kid. I saw Space Hunter with the Rondu. You know, everybody <laughs> remember Ron? He used to call the show a long time ago. Uh, totally lost interest, I guess. But him and I we were <laughs> little kids. We went to the Old Town Mall in Redondo Beach, and we went to see Space Hunter in the Forbidden Zone. Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. In 3D with Molly Ringwald and Peter nice. Strauss. <laughs> Ernie Hudson. And Yeah, yeah and it also had uh, Michael, Michael Ironside. Ironside as Overdog. No, not Underdog. Yeah. He was Overdog. Over Hold on to your seat. Hold on to your date. Hold on to your popcorn. The ultimate 3D movie is about to blast off. Space Hunter. Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. The first 3D space movie. Starring Peter Strauss as Wolf, an intergalactic adventurer. And Molly Ringwald as Nikki. What the hell are you? What do you think I am, you scrying earthbag? I'm a woman! Together, they must enter the deadly Forbidden Zone. <laughs> and rescue three beautiful women from the planet's ultimate evil. The Overdog. I like her. Works every time. I'll bet breeding with us would kill him. I'll take that bet. Columbia Pictures presents an adventure unlike anything you've ever witnessed before. A whole new dimension in excitement. The ultimate 3D experience. The first movie that puts you in outer space. Space Hunter. Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. In 3D. And that, that was that old blue and red 3D. Right. It was shitty 3D. So yeah. what I'm trying to tell you is I was not prepared for the 3D that I was going to witness today. You know, I'd seen Beowulf previously in the real 3D, this... uh polarized lens 3d and it was it was gimmicky you know it yeah. was the typical whoa something's coming at me you know stuff right right yeah like but uh, this was just you know what's hilarious is when you wow. see a movie that was in 3d but it's not on tv and you're wondering why they keep shoving things in the camera yeah like, exactly like jaws 3d well, is hilarious like i was telling him the one i saw was friday the 13th part three in 3D. Right. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. Join Jason in the woods on his day, if you dare. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. Rated R. It's like, hey, you want to bite on my hot dog? Right in the camera. Whoa! Here comes the spirit face. <laughs> well, even that um, most recently, that journey to the center of the earth. Right. That was like shitty. The commercials right? of that were like, wow, what? That's obvious. Come and see Brendan Fraser's face right in your face. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> right. That's kind of cheesy 3D. So, you know, this is uh, uh, James Cameron. He was doing something different. You know, Steve and I were talking about this, how this is the kind of 3D where he didn't want it to be gimmicky anymore. He was trying to show the world what 3D can be. Exactly. This is it what is. 3D can be and should be. From the moment it opened, I was like, this is not what I expected. I know. Like, it was totally, incredibly immersive. 
So I grew up with this kind of profound sense of wonder about nature. And I was also a science fiction and fantasy fan from the earliest time I can remember. And I was an artist. So my way of processing that was to draw and to paint. And I was painting creatures and painting alien worlds for as far back as I can remember. So my avatar is really the sum total of all that. There was no single moment of inspiration. Now, the thing that got me off my duff to actually sit down and write it, this movie that I'd had in my head for most of my life in some form or other, was that I was the CEO of a big visual effects company. And I wanted to challenge that visual effects company to go beyond, not just beyond what everybody else was doing, but beyond the beyond. I wanted to be so far out in front that nobody would ever catch us. And that's essentially what Avatar is. It's the most high-tech film in terms of its execution, dealing with essentially a very low-tech subject, which is our relationship with nature. And in fact, the irony is that the film is about our relationship with nature and how our technological civilization has taken us several removes away from a truly natural existence and the consequences of that to us. I was just blown away. I was and, speechless. And you know what, Bill? I'm going to torture you a little bit longer. We're not going to talk about Avatar yet. Damn you! <laughs> first, we're going to put... First! We're going to talk about some Avatar. Huh? Wait, I want to talk to Bill real quick about... Oh, okay. Right. Oh, sorry. About, um, sorry, Bill. No avatar. Steven's calling out his his turn. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a uh, me and me and Jason were having the discussion and we're trying to figure it out. Okay, Australia is today or tomorrow there? Tomorrow. Okay. It's actually about fifth. I think where Rick is, it's close to sixteen hours forward. Oh wow! So he's it would future. be tomorrow morning right now around like ten eleven a.m. So he okay. right now he's downloading the show or he might that be a, we've already well, podcasted. Well, yeah, morning. he's in the future. Wow, he can awesome. actually send us messages back. <laughs> Sweet, and we can change <laughs> before we do anything wrong. That is so awesome. Yeah. So uh, can we talk about Avatar now? Now we can. Okay. I was just, right. I just had a question for. For Bill. <laughs> All right, let's talk about James Cameron's new film, uh, Avatar. And remember, the last movie he made, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the last movie he made was um, Titanic. And he's you made have some lozenge somewhere. <clears throat> he's made some documentaries and stuff, right? I'm just going to fight through it, guys. <laughs> he made uh, Ghosts of the Abyss. That was right. his little... Which are awesome if you've seen those. He's, yeah. The other one, it's about undersea... Uh, it's some kind of Aliens of the Abyss, right? Aliens of the Abyss, yeah. Right, and uh, something where they... The Titanic or something. The Bismarck, I don't know. But anyway, uh, this is his narrative film, Avatar. And like I said, uh, I haven't seen a 3D motion picture since The Incredible Space Hunter. Uh, I did not think this would top that, but I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> no, but when the, uh, you know, we're sitting there waiting and, you know, I brought my daughter Emma too. And, you know, I really debated it's PG-13 and I saw there's some intense imagery, uh, you know, on the trailer. Uh, she wanted to see it. I mean, for Christ's sakes, they have McDonald's toys and Happy Meals. So she wanted yeah. to see it. There are all kinds of things in the world of Avatar, like super cool toys that will play with you. Hey, it hears me when you play with them. There's one in your McDonald's Happy Meal. And, you know, we all got our sunglasses, our Ray-Ban uh, 3D Stop glasses. It. 
Did they make you give yours back? No, they had a recycle bin outside the theater. Yeah, I kept mine. I actually went out the other door. I went out the exit door. I was like, I'm keeping these. No one's going to take them. I guess I could have kept them, but I just recycled them. But we were all, you know, having fun. And then the thing comes on. It says, put on your 3D glasses now. It's like, oh, okay. Woo-hoo. And I wasn't prepared for how badass it would be. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, they do the little demo thing where the ball floats out or whatever. I wasn't ready for that. That was pretty cool. And, you know, they showed a, tra- a couple of trailers. They showed the new Shrek movie. They showed that uh, Despicable, Despicable Me, Me, which looks incredibly annoying to me. Oh, but, my God. Doesn't that look bad? Yeah. But then, you know, I'm thinking, wow, this 3D is pretty cool. But then Avatar starts and it starts, (laughs) and it starts with, uh, Jake Sully and then that drop, droplet of water floating. And it's like, whoa. And you know, how cute was it? Emma kept sticking her hand out and trying to grab stuff. Oh, that's so adorable. It it was awesome. She kept going like reaching out. Every time there he did a... There were points during the, uh, the subtitles where I actually did that once <laughs> or twice. Because <laughs> the letters are right hanging in the air. Yeah, you know? when... Yeah, when, I was I was just like, what? Oh, can I get that? When Every time he did the video recording and the head down in the lower, you know, his log, you know, she was yes! trying to grab the log numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was such... Like, we saw it at Rave Motion Pictures. You know, it's DLP, cinema, digital projection, in 3D. You know, I heard this a lot when people saw Up in 3d that it can be really dim i paid attention to that it was really crisp it almost looked to me like if i were to see the film in 2d how it should look and then it was also 3d so i thought it was yeah, really the good theater quality. i went to they had it they had the bulb on economy when i had the glasses off it looked perfect when i had the glasses on it looked a little too dim Oh, okay. So I was I was a little disappointed with the presentation, but uh that's that's uh, yeah. that was the only problem I had. Yeah, I was really happy with the presentation. I was pretty wowed. You know, yeah. all the You know what's yeah. what's funny is the, the way the film is is it starts out with him arriving at the planet, but they don't show you any of the lush Pandora forest yet. They show you, no. you know, a machinery and equipment and it's really cool. You're kind of wowed by the 3d effect the and floating. Oh, remember it opens up. They're floating in space and everybody's floating. That's an awesome shot. People are waking up from suspended animation and everybody's floating around. It was badass. And then you're like, wow, this 3d is really cool. And then when he first enters the forest, then it's like, whoa, it's like a whoa. new level <laughs> of 3d. We wanted it to have this kind of dreamlike quality, but the eye needed to be educated through the experience of the film. First, we're going to fly down through clouds. Then we're going to go to this human base. Then we're going to move off that base out into the forest, but we're going to go out there in the daytime. And then we're going to gradually take you into that more and more alien experience of Pandora. And that was by design. We knew we were doing that because we knew that ultimately we were going to wind up in a fully CG rainforest with fully CG characters, and it had to look real. I mean, everything is beautiful and uh, glowing, and it's just really cool. Yeah, I think the 3D that really kind of took me back the most, or took me aback the most, was in so many movies, they use the holographic tools to display things. Right. And there's really no life to them. They just look blah. And in this, it just, it like pops out at you. It did. Like there'll be people sitting at a desk and they'll have like their display up and the display is like right in your face. Yeah. It just, it was, it was so surprising to see the 3D used in a way that 
put you into the movie as opposed to the gimmick of throwing things at you. Totally. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it all felt like it was there and had a function, you know, yeah. and it was so cool. Just the depth. I mean, everyone knows it's three dimensions. So, you know, but it really did look like three dimensions, you know, it was, it did. It was really awesome. And I love how somebody would be close it's, up and yeah, somebody sometimes being, you'd forget that it's, and you know, you could see down hallways and shit. It was yeah. awesome. And there was a part where after Jake woke up in avatar form, and he's going down the hallway, and the people are smaller than the avatars, and you got a full sense of depth of field and the size differentials. Whereas I remember watching Lord of the Rings and thinking, well, they just look normal. You know, they don't look like hobbits. They don't look too small. But in this, it's like everything was so perfectly rendered, and I think the 3D really helped with that. Right, yeah, totally. And when he gets out there and, uh, you know, Jake, he's a guy who has no use of his legs. And when he's in the Avatar, he starts yeah, that, having he fun. He freaks out because he can, he can feel he's his walking feet. Again, and yeah. I love that he's, they show him. Whoa! By the Jake! Jake! Listen to me. You're not used to your Avatar body. This is dangerous. This is great. Jake. Come on. They're going to put you out. Hey, listen to me. <laughs> Sit down. No, no, no. I got to get out of these leads. Get Oh, come on, you ain't got no skills. Yeah. Oh, 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 I don't even have to play defense on Hey, guys. Oh. Hey. It's okay, I'll get him. Jake, you have to come Jake, back. Jake, back. excuse me. Hello. Sorry. Come on. Jake, we're not supposed to be running. <laughs> Jeez. Sorry. Watch it. Like just rubbing it, just sinking his, his feet toes in the ground. into the dirt. Yeah. You know, that was like, awesome. that scene really hit me hard. You know, my. My father has been in a wheelchair for since 1996, and to see him go through that every day, and then right. that scene, it it hit me hard. I'm getting choked up. <laughs> I can. There's imagine. just something about that scene that seeing him run. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, I mean, the way that you know, the what I liked about this also is. It felt really loose, uh, kind of a fluid kind of plot, how it goes through the motions. Do you know what I mean? It didn't yeah. feel like uh, anything was forced. It took its time. And yeah. so many times the, in this day and age, we know films, especially big blockbusters. Because everybody wants, you know, it's got to be a hour and a half film. Right. Blockbuster epic films, they've got, they want to get in there, you know, hit, hit you over the head, give you the explosion and stuff. This felt like it was taking its time to tell a story. And first of all, we don't know Jake very well, but that's a good moment right there where we yeah. start to feel for this guy. Yeah. You know, and then we're, we're with him. Okay. We're with this guy as he goes into the Pandora forest. <clears throat> and it he, lets you discover who he is as he kind of rediscovers himself. And immediately he doesn't fit in because his brother was uh, his twin who was a scientist. 
who died and they you know it's very expensive project and his avatar is very expensive uh science and everything and they're like well, we'll use his twin brother to take over this because uh, we can't scrap this. Because their DNA will match. And right. Blah, blah, blah. And so immediately, like, Sigourney Weaver's character doesn't like him because he's not a scientist. He's a friggin' jarhead. He's an ex-Marine. Finds his way in with the the dickhead <laughs> military guy. What was that? The bad Colonel guy's Quaritch? Name? Yeah, Colonel Quaritch. And he turns out to be a pretty good bad guy. <laughs> God, <dude. laughs> yeah, I, he turns holy, out to be a good bad guy, he guys. He does. I... I love At his- first, they're like, oh, he's just, you know, your typical jarhead doing his thing. But then, you know, he starts pulling these little moves with Jake, you know, pulling him out of the... Uh- right. He uses the, hey, you're a military guy just like me. Look, Sully, I want you to learn these savages from the inside. I want you to gain their trust. I need to know how to force their cooperation or hammer them hard if they won't. What's do with Augustine? On paper. You walk like one of her science pukes. You quack like one. But you report to me. We're both really manipulative assholes. And I love his scar on the side of his head. It looks like a friggin' pterodactyl scratched him on the side (laughs) of the head or something. And the and the fact that this isn't a military operation, he's a mercenary. Right. These all are, these guys that are there are mercenaries. They're doing this for money. Right. They don't they don't they're not doing this for honor or for protection. This is one hundred percent greed. This is a huge corporate project, basically, yeah. for this rich mineral that lies in Pandora. And as we learn and more I and loved, more, I uh, some people are going to say it's corny. But I love the use of the word unobtainium. Right. You know, it's like I've heard that used before in scientific circles to describe something that will solve the world's problems, right. like our our energy. Like that's they've I've heard like cold fusion referred to as that. Right. You and know, that something they, that can supply the world's energy. And you know what they say about all every technology it, for whatever good it does, it also does something bad. You know, it's like yeah. it may do something good, but it also creates this waste you don't know what to do with. It's like that. Their damn village happens to be resting on the richest unobtainium deposit within 200 clicks in any direction. I mean, look at all that cheddar. <laughs> well, who gets them to move? Yes. <laughs> what if they won't go? Oh, I'm betting that they will. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Look, look. Killing the indigenous looks bad. But there's one thing that shareholders hate more than bad press, and that's a bad quarterly statement. I didn't make up the rules. So just find me a carrot that'll get them to move. Otherwise, it's going to have to be all stick. Okay? You got three months. That's when the dozers get there. But we're wasting time. I like this guy. But when he first enters the uh, forest and you're kind of just wowed by the 3D and all that. And uh, yeah, I love those big hammerhead rhino creatures. (laughs) And then the the other what the hell was that jaguar type thing? I I, I was like, it's a combination of like a coyote and uh, Uh, a jackal, like a jackal, but also. Oh, you mean the the, uh, um, the viper? Foxes, things, yeah. the little things. Well, I was talking about the first creature thing. that chases them into the water. That thing first. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, God, I, I wish I remembered the name of it. Yeah, I can't remember the names of all these things. Thanator is the king hell predator of Pandora. 
I visualized it in the writing as a six-legged, armored, panther-like creature. You have, like, big teeth and this sort of muzzle that comes forward. And Jim had been very clear about certain aspect that he wanted, which is this fleshy kind of pads, right, that lie flat. It's a, as a threat display, when it's about to attack, they flare out. Again, it all pretty much comes down to Jim and his sketches. You know? I think it went through some detailing passes, but uh, pretty much that's his creature. Because they're great names. Just that sequence where it starts chasing him, it's just like, whoa. And you're just, uh, I kept like leaning back further just because <laughs> yeah. it was a big widescreen. I'm just soaking it all up. But it felt like it was right in front of me. Like if I, this is what's so cool about the 3D, because I would sit forward, like lean on my chair and I would lean back, but it, the 3D never changed or anything. You know, right. yeah. it always felt like it was right in front of me. I really liked that effect. I thought that was cool. Well, what's funny is you mentioned leaning forward. You know, we're in these big theater seats. Uh, the place I went similar to the rave. They, you know, it's the kind you can like lean back and really just kind of relax. I found myself sitting forward and like leaning on the seat in front of me. To like really, to like get my face like totally in it, yeah. As it was happening, well, I but, was uh, I was leaning all the way forward during the, the last part of the film. Yeah, the finale. oh yeah, we'll get to that later. But yeah, I was definitely a holy shit, and I literally was saying, uh, holy shit out loud at times. Holy, because every, every <laughs> once that guy? every once in a while there would be a shot where something would happen, and I would be like, whoa. I had the group yeah. of uh, six children sitting next to me it was horrible bill oh. have you ever done this you arrive to a movie early the whole aisle's empty finally the movie's gonna start in like two minutes and all they of come a sudden pouring in <laughs> you know it's yeah. just like and a the, the bunch kids, of kids it's like the movie had started you know and jake's floating and i hear one of the kids when's the movie gonna start <laughs> <laughs> this, this is just another preview. It's like, like, the other one goes, no, this is it. No, this is Avatar. Shut the hell up. <laughs> That's why I went to the first showing of the day, the 11 o'clock showing guaranteed no kids. What did you Except think? Except there was kids. What is, <laughs> what is the girl's name? Natiri? Yeah. Natiri? Yeah. yeah. Right. What do you think about her reveal there when she's following Jake? You know, first of all, he gets that was separated. awesome. The, I thought I, that I, was really cool. Yeah, I loved the, uh, I just. She's like, the, you're, the like <laughs> you're like baby. You're like baby. I thought it was you great. You made too much noise walking through. Yeah. <laughs> and she just says, you're like baby. Whenever he starts to get into some kind of trouble, like just watching over him. That was so him. great. And it was so, it, it, so descriptive of how disrespectful he was being to the environment. Just, hey, slow down. I just want to say thanks for killing those things. Damn! Don't thank. You don't thank for this. This is sad. Very sad only. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whatever I did, I am sorry. Well, this is your fault. They did not need to die. My fault they attacked me. How am I the bad guy? Your fault! Hey, woo. Your fault. You're like a baby making noise, don't know what to do. Fine. Fine. And like the way the first thing she does after she gets rid of the those viper things is throw the pole with the burning stuff in the water. Like, 
what the hell are you doing? Like, how dare you and then, burn a then fire? Then you realize yeah. everything's bioluminescent. You don't need fire in this environment. Right. All you got to do is touch things and it glows and stuff. And As it's getting dark for the first time in the jungle, Jake lights a torch and we play the whole scene sort of torch lit so you don't give away the bioluminescence. And there's a moment in the film where Natiri takes the torch and throws it in a river. It's almost like opening the door to Oz. The torch goes out and you see the bioluminescence for the first time. I yeah. love the, the introduction of the other Navi. It's kind of scary. They're like these scary, uh, you They're can relate native, them to Indian native native Americans. Right? Yeah. Didn't they remind you of like Native American Indians in a yeah, way? Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of the whole idea of a corporation moving into a native environment, taking their resources, stealing them from them, took me back to the whole idea of, you know, the creation of America, us going there and then exploiting these people for their resources. So it was very reminiscent of the, that kind of story. And it's also something that told happens. It's a science fiction method. And it's something that happens over and over again, too. Yeah, over and over again. The exploitation of other people or this genocide type massacre in the name of whatever yeah. is valuable underneath yeah. them kind of well, thing. Well, look, look at where, where Jake was injured was Venezuela. And what's Venezuela known for other than their oil? So he was obviously on a mission to, you know, take their resources when he was injured. And basically the whole thing is like the Navi want to show Jake, you know, teach him how to be like them. Maybe understand. And cure him of the, of his insanity. Right. Which I loved. I loved that line. And then at the same time, you know, the military guy, he's like, well, hey, this is good because now we can... You we can got an insider to yeah. tell us how to yeah. control these people. Right. Report back to me. And the coolest thing... Is, and I had no idea before I saw the movie about this because, you know, there's some people who like to read all sorts of information. I had no idea that their ponytails could help them jack into nature. And yeah, I, I that was awesome. You could like hook it up to the horse things or these flying creatures or even like uh, this tree tendril thing. Yeah, it like created a symbiotic relationship between the environment, the, the, the animals and, and everything. That I was so s- cool. All the flying sequences in this movie are kick-ass. Are they not? That's it. Bank left. breathtaking whenever him and Natiri are flying down that cliff face. Oh, when he, you have to do this uh, rite of passage where, you know, only one winged creature will uh, attach to you in your lifetime, in its lifetime. You find the one that's right for you, you know, kind of like you break a horse. How do you know? (laughs) It'll try to kill you. Yeah, yeah, it'll try to kill you. And that whole (laughs) sequence where he's learning to fly was badass. It was awesome. And then not even counting later on when there's this dragon type thing that you have to watch out for. 
How awesome was that shit? You know? Yeah, just, the, I, just, I, I wish I could remember the name for that. I loved the language they they created for the Navi. And I like, love the nerdy guy. He's like taking time to learn the language. He's like, Jake doesn't even know the language. <laughs> yeah. That nerdy guy kind of reminded me of, you know, he's just kind of like one of those lovable kind of like dog men or something like yeah. some cartoon well, he, or somewhere. I felt, I felt bad for, I like pitied him, but because of the, he had spent so much time immersed in the entire Navi culture. And then Jake shows up and he's just like thrust right into it. And then, for Jake to make that connection, being a warrior, and them saying, well, we've never had one of their warriors with us. All we've had is their scientists. Let's give him a try. And the jealousy on that guy's face, like, you know, I've been doing this like half my life, and then you walk in, and all of a sudden, you're their golden boy. Right. And I also thought it was interesting, and I like how they showed the danger of it later on, but whenever, as he's a Navi and he falls asleep, he wakes up in his virtual bed or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. he's jacked into the Navi and he's awake and he can report to them and talk to them. And then he goes back in the machine and his body wakes up. I thought that was really cool. And I wondered, you know, how, how is his body protected or whatever? And later on, of course, you deal with that and show how it could really be dangerous to just yeah. collapse somewhere, you know? He's falling in love with this culture, and he's becoming one of them, and I'm just thinking, like, he's never going to be able to become one of them. I'm, I'm dying. Like, how can he do this? And then, you know, we finally get an eye into their whole religion and the way their uh, ecosystem works and the way they're connected to their land and all that. And I was like, oh, okay, I see it now. Right. The ultimate form of living with what you have instead of exploiting what you have. You know, I also love the cast in the film. For once, James Cameron did something incredible. He made Michelle Rodriguez not annoy the shit. He made her likable. I, I loved her. <laughs> I loved her. I know. I, I, was, I was looking at her like, man, you know, she's really done a terrific job here. And she she's the only merc there with a conscience. She fights back. And I love the warrior paint. Yeah. And all that. I just thought that was so well done. She chose her side and she stuck with it, which I like. Yeah. And I thought Sigourney Weaver was great, too. Sigourney and I had been through an experience early in both our careers that was a huge break for both of us. She got an Academy Award nomination for playing a character in a science fiction movie, which was almost unprecedented. Get away from her, you bitch! But that was, you know, 23 years earlier. In a funny way, I'd almost discounted working with Sigourney because we had done Aliens and because it was a science fiction film about an encounter with an alien species. I thought, mm, that, 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 that might be a little too close to, to home. But then I thought, you know, idiot. She's perfect for this character. She can do an amazing job with Grace Augustine. Grace Augustine is not Ripley. Frankly, it's thrilling to be working with Jim again since we did Aliens, but also to be in the first movie he's wanted to do since titanic and to see how excited he is about the writing the shooting the this the that you know the joy he has of working on this finally he's quite unique i think really unique and i just felt that there was an interesting spin on her being involved in a story in which we are the aliens you know the word alien is used in the film it's used by the navi speaking of us when jake finally emerges from that building and that like that stupor and he sees her and 
she's kind of smiling at him when she realizes that, you know what, I think this guy can handle it. Grace? Well, who'd you expect, numbnuts? Think fast. Motor control's looking good. Oh. Yeah. And it was just, it was so well done. The, the features, I, I never once during the entire movie thought, oh, this is all CGI motion capture. Right. No, not once. You know, I got I totally believed it. I got to honestly tell you, I did not have a single cynical moment in the movie. I wasn't like, I oh, come either. on, or anything. The dialogue no. didn't bother me. None of it. I I was trying to be critical at points, and I honestly wasn't. My only, oh, come yeah. on, is kill the colonel. <laughs> yeah, kill this yeah. bastard already. And you know what? Come on, when that, kill him already. When that starts, when the bad stuff starts happening, Bill, like they mow the tree down and they Oh, should've... that killed me. I was just like, oh, you son of a bitch. And the way it's so casual, he's drinking the coffee. Yeah, he's just like, he, you know, uh, just, hey, you know, oh. maybe I'll be back in time for lunch. <laughs> but this is when Emma started not being able to take it. Whenever they show the women crying and stuff, she yeah. would cry. And she was like, Ooh. and I was like, Emma, I kind of wonder okay. if they were, you and know, Heather was trying to calm her down. But by the time they're knocking the giant tree over, she was done. She was couldn't like, take yeah. it anymore. It was like the way they did that, you know, is the way they're kind of portraying the, if you want to call it the new army, you know, everything's remote control, so everything's nice and safe, and you can... Yeah, yeah exactly. I love those guys you know. in that giant walking machine, which is badass, but at the same time, you see how there, it's like a disconnect. You're yeah. not even really holding a- your gun, your virtual gloves on, you know? Yeah, so- and you have that, and I loved how he illustrated that disconnect by these jarheads, especially that one that loved saying, get some. Yeah. Like, Come get some. Get some. It was yeah. just like, you asshole. And you, you have can any see, idea what you're doing. And it doesn't matter how much they say if they're there in a peaceful mission, they just want to get things done. These guys are itching to kill something. Yeah. They they're all, all sociopath maniacs. They have, they're strapped with all these weapons and missiles. They can't wait to blow some shit yeah. up. Well, it's like, well, you, you got that from the colonel whenever he's like, Dude, I'm connecting with these people. Well, you got like three months, and that's it. Boom, cut off. We're going to kill them regardless. Yeah, we're going to get rid of them. You know, it keeps going back and forth from Jake out of his body and reporting, and he does these. I thought it was really interesting how they did the journal entries, how he's kind of, he's narrating, but he's not really, he's doing a journal entry. And I love how they showed, like, he's really forgotten about his own body he's not shaving or bathing and yeah the deterioration they have to force him to eat come on eat eat this and he has to wolf it down because he wants to go back in as soon as possible it's like how because that's become his new reality right he does he's become addicted or if you want to call it well he's got feelings now for natiri I don't even think it's as much an addiction as i think it a new a new lease on life Right. You know, he's this injured body, this injured life. Because remember you know, what they what I'm say. saying was the addiction because I'm stuck here, remember they but I can go walk over there. Well, they call them the yeah. dreamwalkers. And he goes, all of the dreamwalkers come and there's no more to put in them because they're all filled up. And he goes, not me. I'm empty because he's got nothing yeah. going on. Yeah. And so basically he's immersed himself in all of this. And uh, what's interesting is 
when you see he his relationship with all these people, you really start to relate to him with them. And so when mm-hmm. he kind of breaks their heart, it breaks your heart to see how they're angry with him now. Because really he is put in a situation like where he can't not look like the bad guy because he's a human yeah. just like the other. It's like he's he's got privileged information from both sides and he's not sharing with either one really he's yeah he's been he's sharing more of their information with his his human culture than how about that moment when him and uh natiri express their love for each other and they lie together and the next day she wakes up and a, that big machine is going to run over <laughs> them and he's not in the body. They show him outside and that's when he's, he's talking down Yeah, the that's meal. when he's shoving the food in his mouth. And he's like, come on, I want to go back in. No, no, you got to eat some first. You're like, come on. She's like, wake up. <laughs> don't make me force feed a crib. <laughs> Grace, I don't know. Hey. Here, I'm done. Let's go. And when was the last time you took a shower? I don't need a shower. Jesus, Marie. Wake up! Jake! Wake up! Hey! Stop! That was intense. And then he wakes up and he smashes the cameras, angers the general guy. Quartz. And you know that big dragon thing, how she said only like, what, 15 in their five. Five. Five, yeah. My grandfather's grandfather was Taruk Makto, writer of Last Shadow. She wrote this? Taruk chose him. It has only happened five times since the time of the first songs. That's a long time. Yes. Taruk Makdo was mighty. He brought the clans together in a time of great sorrow. All Navi people know the story. You knew that he was going to eventually do it, but it was badass yeah. when he did. I love when he yeah. takes his... Remember, he's been unconscious for a while after the trees burn, and there's soot all over his body, and there's haze in the air, and his bird comes and lands... He's like, I'm going to have you do something you're not going to want to do, but we got to do it. And I love that when you see the, the bird flying and he's like. Sometimes your whole life boils down to one insane move. Something we got to do. You're not going to like it. Yeah. Where I had it figured. Rook is the baddest cat in the sky. Nothing attacks him. Easy boy. So why would he ever look up? But that was just a theory. That thing, it's always looking it's always, down. It's always the, the hunter. The hunter. Yeah. So it never I looks like that said about his prey. character, though. 
how much courage he had to do that. So many people, I mean, they were reverential of their elder that actually was able to tame, to make a connection with that thing. And I think so many of them were so afraid of it that they didn't even really think how or even if they would be able to tame this thing. Yet he had so much courage and he was backed into such a deep, dark place that he was, he made it so simple. All I got to do is get above it and I'll do it and I'll give it a try. And he does. And I, I just love the simplicity of it. And he knew well, he you say simplicity, that. but they, you know, as soon as he lands on me, it, it goes to the dark. So you don't see the fight that the, no, beast, see, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, and, that's what I loved about how simple that scene was. I remember they called you, the thing. I just remember not its main name, but they call it the last shadow because that's the yeah. last shadow you saw before you died. <laughs> A guy's call it a greatly an optrix. It is Doruk, last shadow. You're right. It's the last one you ever see. That, like so, what I was saying was, it's not. It wasn't about the fight he had to have right. to do it. It's the fact that he did it. And right. I, I love that scene where he lands, and they're all like ah, screaming, yeah. and then they see him on the back of it, <laughs> and they're all like, "Whoa!" And he gets off, and he's walking through them, and they're all partying. It's like this outsider did this, it's you like, know, dude, badass. <laughs> Even even the uh, the guy that was originally mated to Natiri was like, "Whoa, okay, um, maybe I should oh, second it, guess this." Before they attack the tree, that was so annoying. When he's like, "All right, I need to tell you something," and then they unplug him, and he just collapses. And it's like this really yeah. important moment where he needs to tell him something. I kept wondering that, like, how are they going to protect his body so he can help them without the general just like stabbing him in the chest or something? Yeah, but I that moment. Also, where they're captured and Michelle Rodriguez helps them, I thought was pretty badass, too. That was terrific. And you see the general, he holds his breath. Because remember, humans can't breathe out in that air. What did they say? Like four minutes or five minutes? Four minutes, you're dead. Yeah. So he's It like, just showed how hardcore he was. Like, yeah. screw that. I'm I'm grabbing my gun. I'm busting out of here. I'm going to shoot this shit up. Oh, and it was at that point that Emma was done because... Was He's shooting like- and somebody's wounded. You know, I have no idea if this is going to be spoiler. We didn't even say that, but when she saw a certain person shot, it, she was like, "I want to go home." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, and well, ha- because because the person that was shot was the teacher. You know, right. the because she related to all the children, and that was another really great touch was to show although her character was the scientist and the teacher, and she was kind of exiled from this group. She had become so attached to them that she almost at first just tolerated Jake so that she could get back in to see right. them again. Yeah. And then she came to appreciate Jake, who he was and what, how far he had come. And luckily we were in separate cars. So Heather took her home. <laughs> oh, that's so Heather. Yeah, that... I called Heather after the movie and she was like, I need to go see this again. Cause I want to see how it ends. And I was like, trust <laughs> oh. me, you want to see how it ends. <laughs> Because yeah. as the third act of this film starts, I was just like, that's when I was on the edge of my seat. And I was just like, first of all, okay, the <laughs> the effects, sure, they're incredible and everything. But also, I was really into the story and characters, too. Yeah, and- I was totally immersed in everything. I thought I was on Pandora. I honestly, it was I awesome. hated my own kind. Right, that's, <laughs> I, a, that's a thing. I wanted to see my own kind die. <laughs> Yeah, you can't wait for it. And then when you yeah. you finally get a confrontation, 
There's people in the audience going, yeah, you know, there's frigging guys getting ripped out of frigging ships and stuff. And people were like, yeah, kill that human. Gigantic. Like I loved another point of the size differential is when someone gets pierced with an arrow, oh, it's yeah. the size of a telephone pole. That, yeah, because they're giant. So when they shoot you with an arrow, they it looks normal to them. But then when it hits a human body, it's like, holy shit. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's enormous. It's it was, what, that, like, shocked me. And, you know, if I, anyone's cynical about seeing this film, go to see it just for the air battle, I think. Just for that alone. Is yeah. friggin' awesome. You know, we waited years to see shit like this. I mean, I honestly, I think the, if I'm not even an effects guy or really into effects or anything like that, sure, they're awesome, or, but we've become so jaded from them. I honestly do yeah. not give a shit anymore. I think the last yeah. time I was excited about an effect was the T1000. Like when yeah. you got hit with a bullet, it was badass, but we've seen so much of it. I mean, maybe Cloverfield, that was kind of cool to see the monster because it was mysterious. But really, when it comes down to effects, we've seen it so often yeah. that we're jaded. And, and this, you've seen it I was badly. And yeah, yeah. And this, yeah, exactly, Stephen. This week, Jason and I, you know, doing what we did, <laughs> we, we talked a lot about the uncanny valley. That point where humans, the brain can interpret what's real and what isn't in CGI. Right. And there are so many moments in the things we watched where it's just like, oh, does that look bad? And you know that, what? And we remember it looking good at one time in a way. Yeah. And it's like things it, you. This movie will be timeless. There is no point in the movie where I can honestly say, I thought it was CGI. I was just into the flick. I was into yeah. it. Yeah. And I think that's what's so great about it is that you're not looking for it. At any time, did you think of Delgo during this film, Bill? Oh, I don't even think I've ever seen Delgo. <laughs> Delgo. I've never and seen I Delgo. And I can't the- remember Fern Gully. I think I was a kid when I saw that. Fern Gully. I'm sure Don Bluth doesn't mind. Maybe he got some rentals out of that. But uh Yeah, really. All I gotta say is just if you're like a kind of cynical and you're like, oh, everyone's talking about Avatar and whatever it looks like Smurfs. Just go see the movie. Just go see yeah. it. Stop I mean, being I, an asshole. Yeah, just go see it. If you're a movie lover, go, go see, see it. it. Because it's uh, a great story. If if you're above event films, whatever, just go see it. Okay. You know, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a good story. This, it has a good I payoff. Just love the, I love that we got in a, a movie with a good story. <laughs> this isn't you know, like an, some an movie. event film with a good story. And it's not some film that uh, was greenlit. You are going to have absolutely no voice <laughs> at the end of this show. <laughs> yeah. It's not some film that, uh, damn it, it's not some movie that uh, the studio greenlit last year and they rushed it to production. James Cameron has This is been, not Wolverine. He's been, no. he's been growing <laughs> oh, this thing. Oh, good lord. Until it's a giant mighty oak, okay? He's waited. He's been so excited to deliver, show us this technology and have a story to do it with. He's not, this isn't 2012, okay? Where it's just some kind of rolling epic to say, hey, I'm going to show the world being destroyed with awesome effects spectacle. No, he's taking the time to nurture this story and this film 
to show it to us, to give us something special. And it is something special. And it felt special to me. If the Abyss was the most physically taxing film I've made because we were underwater so much, I think Avatar was certainly the longest and the most complex film that I've ever made. More complex than Titanic or the Terminator films or, or anything else. On those films, especially the Terminator films, we broke new ground with the CG effects and so on. And we were always trying to push the envelope. This time, it pushed back. And then we pushed harder. And it took a long time. There was no book to look this up. There was no manual for how you do this sort of film. And we were doing it very differently than previous performance capture films because we went beyond. It's by definition, as exploring a frontier, you're going to make mistakes. We made mistakes, but we figured it out. I'm only smart enough to surround myself with enough smart people to solve the problems. And I had a great team because we were way out in the unknown. But that's cool. That's where I like to be. And yeah, me I, too. I, when's I, the last time you felt that way over a movie? And you know what? You know? <laughs> when's the last time there's been a sense of danger in a movie you've watched? Yeah. Honestly, think back. It's been a long time. There's danger in this film, and you feel it, and you worry about the characters. I mean, think back to, you know, like how many, like the last, the Indiana Jones movie. You never think Indy's in danger no. or. No, because Indy always gets out of it. I mean, all the, uh, like, the the Star Wars prequels and the, the droids and, you know, oh, uh, the X-Men movies, any of those, the superhero movies, there's not a sense of danger. Here, there is. This forest, even though it's beautiful, this uh, this lush Pandora, you, there's danger in every, you know, everywhere at the same time. Yeah. And you it's it's just it. like the, the, the opening part with uh, Jake. It's so well illustrated that, you know, you have this big monstrous creature and they're like, you know, stand your ground. But then he gets so cocksure and he's like, well, what, what about this other thing? Should I run or not? You know, and it's every, you know, he runs away from it and then he gets away from it. And then it's something else. I mean, everything wants to kill you. And let me tell you this. I was thinking of uh afterwards, like a movie that tried to show us that, but kind of failed. Uh I mean, they tried their best, but the effects don't work for me. And that's King Kong. Yeah, when you're right. Then that scary jungle, the effects don't mesh well for me. They call too no. much attention to themselves. And I think in this movie, it pulled it off, that danger. Well, you know what? It's almost too outlandish. Like Peter Jackson just went too far with it. Right. It just, it didn't, It if he would have pulled back a little bit, maybe... But it just got ridiculous. Like the whole scene with the stampede of the T-Rexes and all that. It just, it got to be a little much. <laughs> yeah. The whole, the climax to this film is definitely a climax. <laughs> Am I right? It is. And it's, it, it sets up more films so well. If we just get into the whole battle, like the war, basically. And how that came together and you see losses and you see characters you care about in peril and the anger in Jake. When he is, uh, let me just, when he's got those grenades, Bill, and they show it in 3D, I was oh, like, yeah. when he, fl- oh. when it flips the, uh, the, the things off of the grenades and they come flying at oh, you, yeah. I was like, oh. badass. <laughs> it's Sully. Ching, like right in the yeah, audience. the colonel sees him. He's like, <laughs> yeah, that was badass. And even before that, he had some other grenades and threw them. 
into this port exhaust thing, you see the 3D of the grenade, like, and it wasn't gimmicky at all. It was like, I see exactly what that is, and I see where it's going, and awesome. I can't wait till it <laughs> friggin' explodes and takes yeah. these guys out. And I love that gigantic ship that he takes out, this huge friggin' the big gunship. Yeah. yeah. The thing that the, the, uh, the gunship or the one that, uh, Oh, it had the explosives the one, They were going to drop all the explosives on I, it. And I love the thing rocks and the explosives come sliding back in. That yeah, was badass. Yeah. Rushes the one guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh! It. Like when it was like lurching. That drop ship like, or whatever. Right. This is, so basically, like, don't you love those films where you endure a lot of things and you see, uh, you see them do horrible things and you hate them. And then oh, finally yeah. the movie's like, I'm going to give you what you want. You want to see these people die? Okay, I'm going to let you see it. And then you get to, and you're like, your bloodlust kicks in. You're like, yeah, kill them all. The, only, the one thing I wanted to see more, I'd like to have seen the flying creatures kind of like, you know, like the way birds would fight over something flying in the air. <laughs> fight and, over their bodies yeah, and rip air. them apart. And rip them apart while they're falling. That, I love the, the gung-ho Marines I on mean, the ground that, when they those guys are in battle. And That's my bloodlust. But, I mean... <laughs> Well, well we got to see them fling them into the mountainsides. That's, that's true. That, no, no, that's, I'm, like I said, I'm not complaining at all. I said, if I wanted to see more, <laughs> but also, that's what I would have liked but to have like seen. But like you were talking <laughs> about the giant arrows, Bill, you see the guys with the machine guns in the forest, they're like going, and then you see a giant arrow go, like right into them. That was so badass. I mean, it just shatters right through that glass, that plexiglass or whatever it is. Oh, man, that was uh, badass. And then, <laughs> come, and then as they're flying and they're starting to turn. come on the ships and they start shooting the arrows through the windows of the gunships. Oh, yeah, right through start, the canopies. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you I, see the arrow hit the cockpit and then you see a ship just go aim towards the ground. It's friggin' awesome. And that's not, we haven't even got to the ground fight yet. And that shit, I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) I just like, I was just sitting back going, yes, this is awesome. Cause you know, that's what I love is the general guy. They made him such a dick. You can't wait till he's in a friggin' battle with Jake at the end, you know? Yeah. And he has that attitude like where he lets everybody do the work for him and he just kind of absorbs it and cherishes it as he drinks his coffee and then when he's thrust into it personally yeah uh, he's just so gung-ho and to to see this this arrogant douche and go against jake don't you love those giant robot suits how they have a giant knife they can pull yeah you know what The, the guns almost reminded me of uh the guns from Gears of War, except without the chainsaw, they just had that big serrated blade on the bottom right, right below the barrel. Yeah, and then when he loses his weapon, he's like, Ping! Pulls his giant friggin' knife! It's all over. Nothing's over while I'm breathing. I kinda hoped you'd say that. <sighs> I thought that was awesome. And Jake grabs the front of that machine gun that has the serrated knife on it. How do you, how big do you think that gigantic knife was? Like just in, just in like, was it six feet tall, eight feet tall? I was, I was, I would think 10 to 12 feet. It's I mean, gonna, it was enormous. It's, it's twice. It, so it, it's, it was actually taller than a Navi. <laughs> you know what? I love that moment where the general goes, Hey, Sully. How does it feel to betray your own race? 
You think you're one of them? Time to wake up. And then he turns towards the trailer thing, and you're like, oh, shit! Because yeah, his, I'm in there. his frail little body is inside that thing, and he opens the wrong one at first. He goes, and remember the air, when it gets in, it's poison, and it's just like creeping in through the windows. That They made that so tense, didn't they? They really did. You know, and even Montreal guy in the chat room said he was skeptical. Sometimes he has a really hard time with Cameron's dialogue. But not once did I have a groan moment. Like, in the director's cut of Terminator 2, there's the on-your-feet soldier scene with right. Sarah Connor in the yeah. asylum. And that always kind of makes me groan a little. Yeah, like, but hey, I didn't yeah. have a single moment in this film where I had a problem with any of the dialogue. It honestly all worked for me. It really did. Yeah. It did. And I have no problem with it. I mean, I would... I'd no, tell, I didn't hey, maybe... Hey, after I've seen it about... 20 times i'll tell You'll you find but right now i don't and you know what i can't wait <laughs> to friggin see this movie again in 3d again i've got yeah to. i i think this movie is really going to be dependent on word of mouth and i think once people see it in 3d they're gonna tell other people listen right. you have to see it in 3d it's not a gimmick it is something that totally engrosses you that puts you on pandora uh, as they're walking through the jungle at night or any time in the, the fronds from the plants, like come whipping out at you as they pass them. Right. I found myself ducking at points, like just out of, I guess my brain being confused by seeing that image. All I want to like, say, I felt like such an idiot. I want to say this, and you know, I reached out just cause I thought it was fun. I saw Emma and I was like, I'm going to reach out at the next thing that comes out. And, yeah. But. These people that I read about, and I've seen some on Facebook, are like, you know, everyone's talking about Avatar. I don't want to go see it. You know, you know, I understand the cynical nature. It's like when Forrest Gump was a big hit and everyone kept talking exactly. about You don't want to see it because just forget all that cynical bullshit. Just go see the movie and see what you think of it, okay? Just hang your cynical hat on the hat rack, okay? And just well, go I see a movie a, a- where he's not, James Cameron isn't. You know, honestly, he wants the movie to make money, but I honestly think he made this movie just for people to be wowed, and it's nothing more than to see how incredible 3D technology is and what they can do with it, and also have a good story. It's it's not a jerk off fest, okay? That's what I'm you trying know, to I say. I honestly see this movie as a statement from Cameron saying Hollywood can make good films, and they don't have to be gimmicky, and they don't have to be hollow empty crappy movies you can make a film that totally connects with the audience and not have to worry whether or not it will you know it just there's something about the film that's so that was so deeply ingrained after i saw it that just really it really affected me it's hard to describe how it affect how deeply it affected me I like afterwards, Jason was like, that was like two hours and 45 minutes long. I was it like, felt like an hour. I was it like, felt it felt like I, an hour. Honestly, it did not feel overly long. Because, you know, no. we're, we're just like Jake. Whenever he's out of the avatar, we can't wait for him to get back in to learn some new shit that he's going to learn. Yeah. And what also is so satisfying is because we know what happens in real life where people are exploited or they're killed by somebody more powerful who has the guns. 
yes. when we see them fight back. And Michelle Rodriguez has the most awesome line in this where she goes, Right there! I'm not the only one with a gun, bitch. You know, because basically yeah. these are their men with guns who can overpower these native people. Right. And she's helping them. And she's like, I've got a gun too, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. The last time I liked her in something was Girl Fight, the movie that she was originally recognized for. Right. And she really, I don't, maybe it's just because Cameron mm. pulls the best out of his actors. Maybe it's the way he directs, the way he connects with them. Uh, maybe it's the, you know, the hard assness he has. But he truly did something to pull that performance out of her. I would not mind seeing him direct a film where she was his strong female lead. Yeah, why not? I trust him. I really, he, you know, I never haven't trusted James Cameron. I definitely have no problem with whatever he decides to do. Well, I think that after this film, the studios need to start trusting him because Fox gave him a shitload of trouble on the abyss. And right. the Abyss Special Edition is a film that should have been in the theaters. There is Honestly, so much, yeah. so much more depth long. to that yeah. film. Yeah, you're right. The, the film, the long director's cut, which is not on Blu-ray, by the way. And uh, it's only on non-anamorphic DVD and it looks like shit. Right. It is awesome, and it should have been released that way theatrically. Just like we said, the Watchmen Ultimate Cut should have been the theatrical version because yeah. it is the really good film. Studios are so afraid of this, and I love that James Cameron has the balls to say, screw you. This is what I want, and I'm not going to put up with the <clears throat> shit anymore. And honestly, and you know, I, I didn't feel like I was missing anything in the movie like I did Watchmen, like... Oh, I can't wait to see a director's cut because I felt like there's stuff left out. I didn't feel like that. And if he said there was, oh, there's actually a four-hour cut, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, why didn't you give that to me in the theater? <laughs> I got to see that shit on the big screen, man. But, man, just we're going to put a spoiler alert on the front of this show because we have to. Yeah. But when... Natiri is actually holding the real Jake, not the Avatar, and he's just oh little, my gosh, he's this little tiny fragile guy, and she's like, "Are you my Jake?" You know, and he says, "I see you." <gasps> Jake, my Jake. <sighs> Bumps. That was awesome. That was awesome. And, and she, she's so big and he's so small. It was like woman. it was like a child. Yes. She was like a child. It it reverts back to that first line whenever they meet and she says, You're a baby. Yes. <laughs> 
You're just a baby. It was awesome. He's a baby, like getting into shit. Stop putting, stop getting in the shelves. But I mean, what <laughs> more can we say about Avatar? It really blew me away where I can't wait to see it again. And it's been a while since I've seen a film where I've just got to get back to the theater. I got to, yeah, I, I got to jack into my Avatar. I got to get I back. Wanted to, as I was leaving the theater, I almost just went right back in. To, I just wanted to see it again, but I couldn't because I had too many things to get done today. And my poor and, wife, Bill, she had to leave the theater and not see the ending of the movie. <laughs> you could tell sucks. she was she wanted me to see the film, but and she wanted to take care of Emma, so she made the choice to leave. And but as soon as I talked to her on the phone on the way home, she was like, "You're going to take me to see that movie tomorrow," and I was like, "Okay, I've got no problem with that. We'll go <laughs> yeah, see it." I I really hope it makes some serious money. It deserves it so much. You know that whole row of kids next to you—they seem like they were into the movie, and they I were, could hear because I loved they. I mean, I, I really I did like they did cheer when you know the the uh, army guys were getting beaten. <laughs> Yeah, um, that would that would disturb me when they they were getting yanked out of the the uh, scorpions. You know, they were getting thrown. But Uh, look at Stephen. Remember names of the vehicles. (laughs) But what about this, guys? The very final shot of the movie I thought was awesome. The very final shot of the movie set up so much for me that I was like, I want more and when more, that, more, more, when, more, more. And then when Avatar comes on the screen, people uh, clap. Yeah. I, and I was like, I'm going to clap too. in my theater, but I felt like an asshole because I had to. I yeah, had to. I did. I, I joined in. Because I felt like it deserved applause. This movie deserved applause. And then next week, you know, we could go see that uh, Christmas Carol in 3D with Jim Carrey. You know what? That is, I'm so glad you brought that up. Robert Zemeckis needs to see this movie and have his head examined. It's like, yeah. He has lost, he's lost his inner pirate. (laughs) Yeah. He honestly has, he has forgotten what it is to make a narrative film and he's become the George Lucas. He has become obsessed with these technologies and playing with them as opposed to sculpting a story and then using the technology to tell that story. Right. You know, it just... You've lost your inner pirate. I mean, yeah, uh, you've just, got to find your inner I, pirate. I, <laughs> he's more, he's like into technology, but don't forget about the actors, dude. You know? Yeah. Instead, you know, it's like this Christmas like carol this. crap. You're swinging with... yours like this. <laughs> <laughs> I think this film is a wake-up call... For a lot of filmmakers, right? Uh, I I hope Steven Spielberg saw this and was truly affected by it because after uh, the Crystal Skull, yeah. uh, I hope he realized exactly well, what he did. There. If I was Robert Zemeckis, honestly, you know, and what he's done with the this technology, and yeah, it it can be cool or whatever. I've had no desire to see any of it, but I can imagine him watching Avatar and going, "Well, shit." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. movies. Me. <laughs> what the hell am I doing a Christmas Carol for? And Polar Express and uh what was the other one, Bill? Oh, Beowulf. Beowulf. Beowulf was such a waste of time uh compared to something like Avatar. And they're so stiff. They're so awkward, yeah. the bodies and that. Hey, the guy's trying something different. I don't know. But yeah, he did get his ass owned in Avatar. <laughs> so many directors 
that have been known as storytellers that have fallen for the trap of special effects have been owned by James Cameron. They should bend over because they are now <laughs> his bitches. Honestly, they they have no right you know, to even I will never give forget an excuse though. for what they have pumped out. I have compared I've, to what James Cameron has done. I've worshipped James Cameron for so long. I remember reading this quote from him a long time ago. He said when he saw Star Wars, he was pissed because he wanted to do that first. And uh-huh. I think it's taken a long time, but he has, he doesn't need to worry about that anymore because he's kicked some ass with this film. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And he has kicked an unholy, ungodly amount of ass. And, uh, <laughs> I keep looking at Jason's Christmas tree and the avatar is sitting on a branch blinking. I have, I have <laughs> a McDonald's toy. It's Jake Sully. Oh, I gotta go get that. Whenever you talk, he lights up. So we're like Every talking t- about avatar and you see him just blinking away. <laughs> Every oh. time we talk, I just keep looking up and his face. Well, is I am in the chat room and there's a lot of people asking for the phone number. They really want to okay. call in. Okay. Everybody, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take phone calls. Bill, we're going to open the phone line. I'm not saying lines. It's not plural. It's one phone line, okay? Yes. So there's no... I want everyone to know there's no hold. So basically, if you call and I don't answer, it's because I already have somebody else on the line. So just... So don't call back. It means all our lines... Call back after we're done. Yeah, it means all our line are busy, is what it means. Hello? Hello. We have someone on the line. Hello. How are you? Hey, guys. How you doing? It's uh, Hicks. It's Hicks. Hicks in the chat room. Okay. Hicks. Yeah, Hicks in the chat room. Hey, what's up, Hicks? Uh, but nothing. I uh, just want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Well, thank you very much. Same uh, to you. Did you see Avatar today? Oh, uh, yeah, man. I went to check it out. Uh, saw it in 3D. It was pretty awesome, I'd say. It was pretty amazing. I was very impressed. Yeah, can yeah. you tell we only talked about it for an hour? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want my dad yeah. to see Avatar, too, so bad, because when he saw the trailer to Avatar, I said, Dad, what do you think? He goes, I think James Cameron has lost his mind. And I went, what? So that I got to see so great about it. Maybe that's exactly what James Cameron needed to do. So I want to know what he thought. Uh, More people in Hollywood need to if this if this is the outcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You guys got a hell of a show. I listen to you every week, and uh, oh, you, you guys make me crack up. So, thanks. Keep up the good work. Steven's the phoniest, though, right? <laughs> Steven, <laughs> Steven's the killer of comedy. <laughs> I like Steven, man. He's pretty cool. So, you have no problem well, with the breathing, right? The breathing, now, nah, man. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even. Uh, don't change it, man. Just leave it. It's pretty funny. I like it. <laughs> don't change a thing, Steven. I won't go changing to try and please you. Except you actually should go to the doctor. Except I should, so I <laughs> yeah. can so I can sleep well. <laughs> All right, man. We got right, another guys, phone. I'll, I'll let you go, so you can get somebody else on the line. All right, thanks, th- Hicks. Thanks, thanks a lot, Hicks. buddy. All okay, right. guys. All right, Talk we got later. somebody else on the air. Who's on the line with us? Hello. Hello. Can you oh, hear me? I okay. Think we know this voice. Hey, guys. It's a female. Hey. Hey. Welcome oh, to Nowhere wow. Mulberry. How can I help you? Yes, you were talking about James Cameron. Can you tell us more about your trip to California when you were a young man and went to the T2 convention? Yes, that is right. In my younger you days. You went to a Terminator 2 convention? Yes. I, you know, I live here in Texas and in California, they were having a, the first ever Terminator convention. 
and James Cameron was going to be there. Also, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Eddie Furlong, and Stan Winston. But I was telling uh, my wife this, which is kind of funny. That the, how does this girl know to ask me this? Uh, maybe it's because it's my wife, Heather. Thanks for calling in. I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Oh, okay. And we are taking <laughs> donations. Yes. Right. But, <laughs> but I was in a room with James Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I was like trying to get a picture of James Cameron. I didn't give a shit about Arnold Schwarzenegger, and James Cameron gave a talk about making the movie and all that and i was just oh man it was the greatest day of my life man i because uh james cameron i can't even tell you how much of a james cameron freak i've been since uh the terminator and then aliens and probably the the year before the abyss came out i was like james cameron won't shut up about it everyone please don't ask jason anything about james cameron because he won't shut up kind of thing (laughs) And uh, you even you've even said on the show that uh, you used to carry the novelization of the abyss around right. with you. And right? this, yeah. And this is a true story too. my first ever date. We went to the movies and when we came out. This lady said, hi, we're we're having screenings of this movie and we would like to know if you're interested in seeing it and answering some comments. And I said, well, what movie is it? And she goes, it's James Cameron, the director of Terminator and Aliens. He's doing this movie called The Abyss. I was and I was so excited that I got this pass to see the movie that I blew off my date to go run home and no tell, way. tell my buddy Ray about it. I think Vanessa's That's talked awesome. about awesome. This is Vanessa's friend that I blew off, and I'm really sorry about that. But James Cameron, I'm sorry. He's he's it's better than girls. I'm sorry. What? What am I talking about? But anyway, what happened is karma got me, and they canceled the screening later, and the girl wasn't no. interested in me. But we got another phone call. Let's check this out. Hey, you're on the air. Hello? Hello? Who's on the air with us? On Nowhere in Mulberry. This is Ross. And Adam. Hey! <laughs> it's a duo of I hilarity. I can't, I can't believe right. it. I'm actually talking to you guys. This is incredible. How about that technology, huh? It's amazing these days. It's fancy stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you. I absolutely... Uh, it's all aces, guys. <laughs> hey, it's Mike Spangler, guys. This is a treat. It's the cat's meow, hey see? It's a trifecta of comedy Spangler. now. <laughs> hey, Bill, I was just wondering, did you like Avatar? <laughs> uh, I, I, I hated it. It was terrible. <laughs> hey, that I'm actually dances with Smurfs. <laughs> Looks Del like go. World of War crap. Hey, oh, wait, hold on. I got somebody else here real quick. Uh, hold on, he wants to talk to you guys. All right. <laughs> Good lord. Hey guys, uh, yeah, did I ever tell you guys about the time that uh, Jimmy Fallon came to my club and uh, he stole my cash box? No! Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Is this Antibert on the line? Antibert? Yeah, I figured it's time we bury the hatchet. Oh, well, that's <laughs> nice of you. Are you inviting us back? I'm just kidding. You guys suck. <laughs> oh, oh, damn it. Fish, that was fished in now, Bill. <laughs> totally got me. Hey, wow, Jason. don't I miss that guy. <laughs> you guys like my, how, how does my Antibert sound? Is it pretty good? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, and you it was know, uncanny. When I, when, I, uh, up, <laughs> when I was updating the old feed, Mulberry Old School, and I was doing uh, descriptions on the old shows, I was so disgusted by the TRX year <laughs> that uh, oh. the way we'd open each show and it'd be like, hey, and we'd have that little TRX thing. Oh, it made me sick. 
Sick to my stomach. I especially like Bill Promo. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, the one with uh, cake in the background? I, I, think I think so, yeah. I think I think I it was funny because I made that and then Chuck came out and they used the same uh instrumental part of short skirt long jacket from uh from Cake. Hey Talk Radio X listeners, it's Bill from Nowhere in Mulberry. At Nowhere in Mulberry, we're just a couple of friends discussing what we love. Current pop culture news, the latest TV, movies, DVD releases, You'll even catch us talking current and classic gaming sometimes. Join me, Jason, Steven, and sometimes even our news girl, Vanessa, shows up on Talk Radio X, Friday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. If you had uh, oh, dude, dude. you guys got to figure this out. I'll step back. I was going to say, if you hadn't of... Stopped being on Talk Radio X, you would have never got on Now Live, and I would have never learned about Jerk Off Radio. So. <laughs> oh, jerk Off Radio, that's right. That's some high art stuff there. I'm just mad that they took the that show name first. <laughs> it's like, damn, they've taken the name. We can't use it. I was so sad whenever Now Live went pay only because there was something about being listed underneath Jerk Off Radio that really added a certain panache to I our honestly, show. I don't, I don't pay attention to the news anymore because they can't watch uh, Utah Morning News anymore. It's a I, was say I know. I between you guys, you and Utah Morning News. So. <laughs> Love those I would guys. sit there and watch that studio for hours. I never once ran into those guys in Utah. <laughs> it's a, I was man, looking I was for so, them wearing magic underwear, honestly. I was jealous of the studio. <laughs> I had nothing to do with the content. I just loved their studio. Oh, yeah. It was, like, beautiful, right? Wasn't it all decked out? It was I never immaculate, it out, high tech, and it. all they did was talk about just... Stupid news. It's like they're wasting that studio. Why aren't they talking about pop culture? It was this gorgeous round table studio with a a window to like the main street. That was the whole idea and using the picture in the chat room of like a a street at night with the lights and everything because we loved like that's our that was has been our dream for so long to have like a, a studio on a like a street corner. Like looking out at the night as we like BS about ridiculous things. Go downstairs, man. Kind of like from Gross Point Blank. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that yeah, that, that, exactly that honestly, right. the radio station from uh, Gross Point Blank was honestly what Mini I always driver in there mixing it up. That that uh, radio right. station <laughs> in that movie is what I always pictured as the nowhere Mulberry type radio station to be like in front of a like a town square kind of thing. You know, kind of like yeah. Northern Exposure. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that one too. And Dr. Go, Joel yeah. Fleischman would come in and, yeah, it'd be good. <laughs> kind of like Ludacris in that Fred Claus movie where he's okay, looking over the workshop. Right at there. Stop <laughs> right there. No. Not many people know this. We've joked about a gnome named Gnorm, but Stan Winston directed yeah. that. The genius behind the effects of Terminator, Terminator. Aliens, <laughs> you know. The James Everybody's Cameron's buddy a, a for skeleton years. skeleton in their closet. And you know what? I remember now at <laughs> yeah. that same Terminator convention, he plugged a gnome named Norm and he said, it's actually pronounced a gnome, gnome, gnome. And everyone in the audience went, 
Uh, like groans, and it's like, dude, Stan wow. Winston's bombing. <laughs> that's it's like, poor Stan. That's really embarrassing. It's like, dude, we want to hear about yeah. T2, not your shitty no some... movie. <laughs> did he also tell everyone that Anthony Michael Hall was in it? I think he did, and I think he got another. Uh... Who is he? What is he? From special effects wizard Stan Winston, the man who created the dinosaurs of Jurassic Park, comes this outrageous adventure for children, starring Anthony Michael Hall, Claudia Christian, Jerry Orbach, and introducing a gnome named Norm. Right, I'm going to stake out with a gnome named Norm. Yeah, gnome. The Adventures of a Gnome Named Norm, coming soon from Polygram Video. Is that the name of the movie? Because I was wondering what that was actually from. Yeah, A Gnome Named Norm. So check it out on VHS. It's called something <laughs> else right. uh, now. It's not. Has that come out on Blu-ray yet, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully you know soon. What? If it ever does, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> the Criterion Collection. Right. The criteria. <laughs> The, yeah, the Criterion Collection of the Gnome named Gnome. I want to tell you, do you guys know the other movie Stan Winston directed? No. It is no. Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead gonna get you. So I want you to watch a double feature of a Gnome named Norm and Pumpkinhead. <laughs> if I can find him, I will try. Me and Roth uh, were at lunch today, and I, we were coming up with this idea. We want to come on one of your guys' shows and, like, let Foggy have a break, and me and Ross will just listen in and just bust in as many drops as we can from our, like, previous knowledge of uh, listening to your show. Awesome. Totally. That would be interesting. You guys want to sit in with the board on? Nice. <laughs> hey, that's That's actually cool. the job that a gnome named Norm had in the film. And I don't know if you noticed. Uh, <laughs> Very nice. Adam, have you noticed that Foggy's actually got some Adam drops? Have you noticed that? Yes, I love it. That's oh, when Rock told me I, I had finally boy. arrived in, uh, <laughs> when I right. became a military drop. What? I did. I was like, they made you a drop. Right. <laughs> well, you know, it's been a pleasure to have Ross and Adam call in and Mike Spangler. It's been awesome. Do you guys have any other questions or did they hang up? Oh, I wonder if we lost them. Shit. Adam and Ross, I didn't hang up on you guys. You got cut off. Maybe playing drops and stuff at the same time was just too much. I don't know. Well, Ross was going to see Avatar, and Adam had to go hang out with his family, but they really uh, appreciated being on the show. Love you, man. And by the way, for the first time ever in the history of the show, Steven just put his headset down and went to urinate. <laughs> wow. He didn't wait for a break or anything. He's just like, I just got to go, man. I just got to go, man. When you got to go, you got to go. You sure do. How's your pee, Steven? Oh, I've had a lot of <laughs> pop today. Nice. <laughs> I woke up. I slept in, and the movie was at 11.45 a.m. I slept until about 10. So I had to rush to get ready and then drive 20 minutes to the town where the movie is, and I didn't eat anything. I didn't even stop to get any popcorn or a drink because it had already been 15 minutes from the start. And that's whenever the movie, you know, they do 15 minutes of commercials, trailers, everything. So I didn't see any trailers. I, it went, went in, movie started straight away. It was already dark. And about 15 minutes in, this heartburn started from not eating anything. So I'm like fighting heartburn through the entire movie. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, Steven, about you going to the bathroom. I hope you had a hell of a piss, Arnold. 
Not Arnold, Steven. <laughs> Jeez, I would, you'd think he'd get it right. I want to say how much fun this has been, having like just a kind of a, you know, a different kind of show. I've had a lot of fun tonight. I have. I've had a lot of fun. What about you, Steven? You had a lot yes, of fun? too much fun for huh? one evening. All right, guys, that was quite a show, and uh, I think it's time to end the show. What do you guys think? The voices are dying. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, our special call-in Avatar extravaganza, and I hope you'll join us after the holidays for Nowhere Mulberry to return. Thank you, everybody, for your support and uh, listening to us, and I'm glad you know, you're entertained by the show. It really means a lot to uh, all of us, I think. You know, I'm speaking for you and Steve and Bill. But uh, I really appreciate it, and I think you guys do, too. Absolutely. Yes. So on that uh, note, let's go ahead and uh, take off, because God knows I'm not going to have a voice tomorrow. (laughs) No, you're not. So later days, everybody. Oh, bitchin', is this in 3D? No, but your face is. Casting. Fortress.